How many times have you said to yourself, I'm going to succeed, and yet you keep coming up short? You probably noticed that high achievers with heart do things differently, but you just can't put your finger on it. You're curious about why high achievers accomplish more and have more satisfying relationships. It's because success is the result of your mindset and the consistent actions you take. This show is designed with your success in mind. By revealing these powerful patterns of our dynamic individuals and guest experts, you can model what they do and apply to your future success now. Let's roll up our sleeves and get started. My name is Brigitte Höfele, and this is the Success Patterns Show. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Here's the golden nugget. Success patterns are more valuable than ideas. Let me explain. Ideas, while very, while very powerful, require trial and error and a lot of time to put into action. Just think about manufacturing. First, you have an idea. Then you have a proof of concept then a working prototype, then small production badges, and finally, you have full-scale production. This takes months, maybe even years, and you may have met some people that are collectors of ideas, but they do little else. Forget everything you have heard about ideas. You're not looking for ideas. You are looking for success patterns, and success patterns are different. They're better. Well, why? They are proven have a logical steps, uh, sequences of steps to follow, have an action imperative, and deliver consistent results. In our show today, you're going to learn valuable success patterns from a real special guest. Now, all of our guests are, are real and they're special, but this one is a, is a special real one. She is known as the voice that people trust all the way from down under Australia, She's here with us uh, on her uh, next day. So we're at basically talking to the future. With over 25 years of media experience since 1997, she's known for her media work as a TV presenter, lifestyle host, producer, and journalist. She's passionate and has a huge in integrity, and that is evident in her broad portfolio of work that she gets to do. She is the voice that people trust. Um, she is, as I said, a an incredible TV journalist host. She's very comfortable in front of the camera. You're going to see that. She has uh, a very outgoing and bubbly personality, and it makes it so easy for us to have this conversation. She is a uh, Egyptian, and I want to talk and start talking about that um, as we bring her up. And I am so honored and excited to have her with me, Susie Michaels. Hey, how are you? Uh, hello, beautiful. I'm very well. How are you? I am fantastic. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited to actually interview a TV journalist, a TV <laughs> presenter. How cool is that? You're in your studio right now. Yeah, this is oh, this is actually my old set. I need to update it, revamp it, rebrand it, get some new colors happening. But yeah, this is my set. Yes, I'm I'm very excited to be speaking with you. Oh, I'm I'm the honor is all ours. And oh. you know, we as a, I'm here in the United States, and I'm originally from Germany, and I can speak for both cultures, U.S., um, America, maybe even Canada, and and Germany. Well, Europe throughout. 
being a TV uh, presenter, being a TV host, being being uh, part of this very brutal uh, media uh, industry is something that a lot of people look up to. It's something very, some, some people say, you know, it's very uh, shiny and something that they would want to do or acquire or be part of. Now you come from a culture that doesn't see it that way. Tell us about that. Yes, so I'm Egyptian and Egyptians are traditionally very academic people. Uh, they love their lawyers, their doctors, their specialists, um, their pharmacists, their engineers, very high profile, high achieving careers. So at the impressionable young age of 12, when I said, I want to be a TV journalist or I want to be a news anchor or a TV presenter, I want to do something in media. Um, the only people that supported me were my parents. And later, when I, when I completed my HSC, um, it's known as the highest school certificate. I would have been about 17 at the time. When I completed it and I got into media and journalism and media production, I was super excited. My whole community around me were like, Susie, 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 what did you get into? What did you get? Are, are you doing law? You, you would have been a really good lawyer. And I proudly announced, I got into media. And the immediate reaction, very sarcastically, was, oh, media. <laughs> That's great. And I immediately knew, right, I'm a failure. They don't see me as, as ever having a future simply because I did not adhere to their expectations of academia. At the impressionable age of 17, how do you deal with something like that? I mean, you're very, you know, you're, you're at a very vulnerable stage, no matter oh, what, you know, you're adolescent years. That's why I personally, Susie, do not believe in reincarnation. I don't ever want to go back to that age. Okay. <laughs> yes. It, it was, yeah, it was a very impressionable young age, but I had a couple of key people in my corner to help me from actually when I was 12 years old, when I said, oh, this is what I want to do. These are my ambitions. Um, the first one in my corner was my dad. My dad is my rock and I, um, I think he got a glimpse of, oh, media, she's going to get a bit of flack from the community. So, Susie, here's a bit of advice for you. Do whatever you want as long as it meets these three rules. Number one, does it harm you or others? Number two, is it illegal? And number three, would it upset God or what your belief system is? And if the answer is yes, don't do it. But if the answer is no, go for your life. And don't give a damn what anyone thinks. And that was really powerful for me at that age. I think we can we can end the show right here because that is so powerful. Yeah. That is that is truly the best advice that any parent, and I have given advice to a lot of parents and coached a lot of parents that any parent can give. How yeah. powerful. Yeah. So my dad, that's my rock. The second person I had in my corner was my grandfather. Now, my grandfather uh, was a spiritual man. He was a, a minister. And uh, he said to me, you can do anything you want armed with the power of Christ. Mm. And he said, don't think that you have any limitations. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So taking on board his spiritual advice, I did 
put in my mindset, you know, oh, this grand mindset, I can do anything. I am going to be anything. And obviously when you're a teenager, you already have that high fly feeling, I can do anything. But when your grandfather says it to you and really it encourages you, it just gives you that extra 10 times oomph to go, yeah, you know what? I really can do anything. Yeah. Um, and that just set me up, I think, for future patterns of thinking and future, as you call it, future success patterns. Do you think that if it weren't for the family support, especially for these two strong men in your life, that you would be where you are right now? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I would have buckled. I would have adhered to what the community wanted because simply of that vulnerable teenage years, you want to please you want to make sure that you are seen and heard and and that you are seen as being this amazing person. And so you want to please, people pleaser. Yeah. And yet, I didn't have that. I would have buckled and been a people pleaser. Now, let's, let's fast forward four years from the age of 17. And yeah. you did what you, you took the great advice from these two powerful men in your life. Yes, I did. What, so what, what did the next four years look like? Yeah, so I went to university, I studied journalism and media production, and I loved it so much I got involved in everything, and I mean everything. I was the editor for the university magazine, I was um, in television, and I hosted several lifestyle shows. I interviewed really big names like Elle McPherson, Olivia Newton-John, I went backstage and did all these interviews with lifestyle shows, and I brought an educational aspect to the screens at that time and educated youth about how to get involved in theatre, how to get involved in fashion, how to get involved in creativity and interviewed these celebrities to have that impact on the youth. I got involved in radio and would do all-nighters and pull all-nighters to get these radio shows done. So I was across all platforms of media throughout the entire time I was studying at uni. Nothing was going to stop me. Um, and I, being a high achiever myself, I, I put a little bit of pressure on myself and said, you know what, it's not good enough for me to just pass uni. I want to make sure that I am the best I can be and I want to get the best possible grades. So I ended up also passing uni with distinction. Now, a lecturer at the time noticed this and um, signed me up for a really prestigious award that I had no idea he did. He said, Susie, you've been, you know, out there and you're, you're just out interviewing these incredible people, Olivia Newton-John, Elle McPherson, and, and um." I've signed you up to be Young Australian of the Year. Now, Young Australian of the Year is there's one winner and I, I, it's every year. You need to be a certain age and you need to have achieved a certain accomplishment for all of Australia. Here I am, this little 18-year-old at university, or 18 and a half at university, uh, thinking there's no way I'm going to win. He's, he's out of his mind. Thank you. I think it's absolutely amazing that you thought of me, but there's no way I'm going to win. Um, fast forward to the actual ceremony when I got invited and I was runner-up. So I came second and I came second to an Olympic champion and that was Ian Thorpe. And I'm standing on stage with Ian Thorpe and the Prime Minister at the time who was John Howard and John Howard shook my hand and said, congratulations, Susie, Australia needs more people like you in the community. And I was 21 at the time by the time I received that, that runner-up award. What did that do to your vision, what you're going to do as a journalist and as a media presenter in the future? What did that do to you? Oh, gosh, it set me on fire. It was like this massive explosion. I just went, well, I'm not stopping now. You know, I got this runner-up award. I was standing next to Ian Thorpe. The prime minister said this. I'm, I'm not stopping now. 
And I actually had my fiance with me at that award ceremony, who's now my husband. Um, so we've been together since then. And um, yeah, he's seen it all. <laughs> he has seen it all. <laughs> he has been he has been your ride or die. So this is the third uh, very strong man in your life. He's a yeah. he's a ride or die kind of person to come with you. Now I'm curious. This is award is no small award. What kind of impact did that have on your Egyptian community? So that's a really interesting question. My Egyptian community um, didn't really understand, I don't think, the magnitude and the honour and the prestige of this award until many years later. And more recently, there has been an Egyptian doctor that received it. There you go, Egyptian doctor, <laughs> but not in media. Um, and I don't think they actually realised the magnitude of this award. So it kind of went under the radar, and I don't even think they know till this day how incredibly important and um, honourable this is even to this day, unless, of course, you're a doctor, then it's an honor. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> not. So, so for, for, for everyone that is not Egyptian, everyone understands and realizes that this is a really, really big deal. Now, it sounds all very glamorous and very, you know, you get to, you get to interview these great, very, um, very these celebrities that are very well known throughout not just in Australia but throughout the world and yet you're you're this you know as I said earlier as I introduced you you're a real of course you're a real person but you're just real you're you know you're you're Susie Michael roll up my sleeves let's go let's go do it yeah you're not this oh but you know I am Susie Michael and you should be looking up to me because I know all of these celebrities and I've interviewed them Oh gosh. How do you how do you stay humble amongst all of this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's staying humble. I suppose I I draw my um I draw my role model from Oprah, and Oprah draws her role model from Maya Danglet, and and I think from those two combinations, it's taught me a lot in life. It's taught me number one. Human beings are there to be respected and loved and supported. That is our role as human beings, and that is what I live by. So I don't ever think I am better than any other human being because what do I have extra that someone else doesn't have? Do I have, like, an extra head or an extra? I don't have anything extra, really. So I'm just a human being, the same as any other human being. And that's the number one thing that I suppose, you, in your words, keeps me humble. Um, and the second thing is when you speak to other human beings, they're real, like they're real people. They're not um, made from artificial intelligence. Well, maybe soon in the future, <laughs> but at the moment, <laughs> artificially intelligent. And so relating to them heart to heart, real to real, everyone has a soul and everyone has this heart and, and that's what you speak to. That's what you relate to. Um, you know, it's not about how you look the colour of your skin, what nationality you are. It's not about that. It's heart. It's all about heart. It, and so there's a vulnerability piece and a, and a caring piece in the work that you get to do, um, but not get lost in this, you know, meek, maybe soft, not so outspoken mentality or or tonality. And, and there's a there's a beautiful balance. So I'm hearing some balances here. You balanced out the very strong men in your life with some really strong role model women. Yeah. So there's a there's a great balance there. 
you, you've, you've balanced out. Um, uh, there was a, another balance that I just became aware of and now it left me. Um, and within, oh, there's a, there's a huge tenacity that I'm, that I'm gathering from you <laughs> and you don't do you know, things half-assed. You you just, you go do them. You make up your mind and you go do them. Yeah. So not just in business, but it, you know, it sounds also like in your personal life. So within five years, you had how many children? <laughs> I did, didn't I? Uh, within five years, I had four kids. I started at 23 and finished by 28. So <laughs> it was all happening in my household at that time. <laughs> And, and um, are they boys, girls? So I've got three boys and a girl. My, my daughter is second. And um, they kept me very busy, but I didn't want to let go of what I wanted. I didn't want to lose myself as a mum. I wanted to be the best mum ever, but I didn't want to lose me, a piece of me, especially in media, because that's my absolute dream and my passion. And that balance was hard, really hard. But... Yeah. Um, as you can tell, I have a very strong personality, <laughs> in case you don't know. Uh, and I am determined and I went, you know what, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to find a way to make it work, to be a, the best mum I can be and maintain my career in media. And I did. Yeah, clearly you did <laughs> while having four children back to back to back to back. Now, you know, uh, doing that in any career is already hard as a working mom with four children as a working mom with yeah. one children, but then you add three more. The media industry, let's be really honest, is a brutal industry. And you, you know, you, you're one, you're someone one day, and then it could be that the next day you're just gone. Yeah. You have persevered over decades. You know, you don't look a day older than 25, maybe 27. <laughs> don't be how, how do you, how do you, I like to call it juggling chainsaws. How do you juggle those chainsaws? Where did you learn to do that? I don't know. I don't know if it's innate. I don't know if it's um, from my upbringing, but I've always had me to say, you know what? I can do it. I can. I am capable of doing this um, and always found a way to make things work, whether it was, as I said, being the high achiever I am, I want to do well at university, and I did. I want to stay in media, being a full-time mum to four kids, and I did. And I found a way to make it work. I suppose it's being clever, discussing what you want and having those key people in your corner to brainstorm with you and help you and say, well, well have you considered this and what about this? And then obviously I'll, I'll say things like, oh, no, that's a great, that's a crap idea. I'm not doing that. Or oh, that's a fantastic idea. Let me explore that a little bit further and see how I can make that work. So a lot of collaboration with key people in your life that love you and want the best for you, I think is probably my secret weapon. Mm, collaboration, a big one. Yeah. What do you, what do you see in your children now? How old are your kids? How, how old is the oldest? The oldest is 21. So they go okay. from 21, 20, 18, 16. And so they're old enough now that you can see some true habits that have been established over their years. What are you most proud of that they have? I am most proud that they know what they want and they go get them. Um, they, even from a young age, one of them knew he wanted to be an actor. I thought, oh, one takes after me. Well, that's nice. <laughs> 
Uh, but he he just wanted to be an actor. And I dismissed it early in his life. He was quite young. And I said, oh, yes, darling, you know, when he was seven years old, yeah, you can be a fireman and you can be a hairdresser and you can be an actor. But by the time he was 12, I was told he had incredible talent. And so I signed him up for classes and signed him up for you. He got into an agent within a month and he's been an actor ever since. That's just one example of one of my children that knows exactly what he wants in life. The other one um, is very mature. So that's that's Chris, um, who's in the middle. My older one, Jerry, he's very, very mature. He is um, way ahead of his years in terms of uh, looking out for his future financially. He's in legal, he's a paralegal and, and studying at the moment full-time and working full-time and he's got his head screwed on. My daughter is extremely smart. She definitely takes after my husband. She is um, in, in the medical field and she knew from the beginning, I want to do something in science, I want to do something in medicine. So she's studying medical science, hoping to do dentistry and really wants to um, expand her vision in terms of the medical industry and, and um, finding new opportunities and research. She doesn't want to just stop at doing your standard drill and fill. She has ambitions as well. And my youngest is um, is into finance and banks and numbers and he's had a bit of a math genius. So they tap, what I'm trying to get at is they tap into their strengths and they know what they want. And I tell them, what brings you joy? Two things, does it bring you joy and is it productive? It's great that you something brings you joy. If it brings you joy, continue to do it. If it doesn't bring you joy, but it's productive for you, like cleaning your room, <laughs> then continue to do it. Um, and if it does both, winner, winner, winner. Even, even better. <laughs> so it, 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 there's a, you've been, you know, one of the laws that I teach is success modeling and, and, and expert modeling. And you have modeled that. And, and it's not you alone. Clearly your husband was a big part of that. And I would, I would argue that the strong men in your life have supported all of that. And it's flowing through you to your children and, and, and onward. How do you feel about the legacy or, or the term legacy? You know, there are people that are like, oh, I can't stand that word. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I love that word legacy because it's, it's a bit of old school, a bit of old soul. You know, something gets passed down from someone to someone and it just retains that history. And I think it's really important. History is so vital, um, whether it's in terms of culture or um, a piece of advice or a, a, a piece of heartfelt something. Like it's, I think it's really important to have that legacy. And, um, yeah, I think passing on a bit of that legacy coming from my grandfather to my children, so that's their great-grandfather, that, you know, you can do anything you want. And um, that piece of advice from my dad and um, who, who is still with us, um, obviously my grandfather's passed on now, but just, yeah, maintaining that uh, I think is really important. People maintain recipes from their nonna and from their, you know, grandparents and they maintain those family recipes. And there's a great example of the word legacy and maintaining that heritage throughout um, your line, your history, your ancestral line. Yeah. How tapped in are your, are your children in the Egyptian culture? So here's a great, that's a great question because Let's take it back a bit. My grandparents obviously were very tapped into their Egyptian culture. They came out in the late 60s and they established um, an Egyptian community because it was very small and they were starting to grow and they helped grow that Egyptian community in Australia. My parents came when they were in their um, teenage years. So they completed their schooling here and they got the qualifications from here. So they're a little bit, they got a bit of a taste of Australia. But because I was born here, 
I'm a lot more uh, assimilated in Australian society with a little bit of Egyptian culture. I would say half-half. So I speak Arabic, I speak English. Um, I have a lot of Egyptian roots. We went to Egypt. I love the history of Egypt and I maintain that. Now, my children, they call themselves uh, white Egyptians. <laughs> it's a horrible term, but they say, Mom, we're so white. We can't speak Arabic. We we don't know what you say half the time when you're on the phone to your, your teta, which is my mum. When you're on the phone to teta, we can't understand what you say half the time. Uh, we don't know how to cook Egyptian, but you do. We just feel like we're so detached from this culture. I said, hmm, well, that's no good. We've got to fix that. You know, do, do you want a bit of Egyptian culture? And you oh, yeah, we do. So we took them to Egypt um, in 2022 and they absolutely loved it. It was a massive eye-opener. And um, one of my kids actually says to me, speak to me in Arabic more. I want to learn a little bit more Arabic, even if it's little phrases here and there. Teach me how to make this dish. We have a dish called molokhaya, which is this green slimy soup, but it looks like marijuana, but it tastes amazing. <laughs> so teach me how to make molokhaya. <laughs> I love it. So mala, mala. Molokhaya. Molochea. Yeah. Molochea. Molochea. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> my, um, our, our children um, who are now spread around the globe as well, uh, and I and my husband want to go to Egypt and um, experience the culture, like full-blown. I hear yeah. you have one of the great high-speed trains. Uh, we want to ride it. We want to go to the bazaars. We want to taste all of the foods. I can't wait yeah. to to dig my teeth into some of your deliciousness. What is your, um, other than Malachaya, uh, <laughs> what, what is your favorite food? Oh, um, my favorite food is stuffed vine leaves, but the way we do it is a bit different. Egyptians yeah. do it with minced meat and onion and, and rice and a bit of um, flavor. And when they, then they wrap it and they cook it in a chicken soup. Um, and it needs to be a really nice, intense chicken soup. And so when you taste it, you've just got this explosion of flavor from the beef mince and the rice and this chicken soup. It's just amazing. Of course, it takes like 10 years to make because you're wrapping all these little tiny vine leaves and putting little stuffing in them. And and I found that. I found Egyptian food is very time-consuming and it just goes in a heartbeat. Like you put it on the table and it's gone. You just go, oh, I just spent eight just hours all of that. <laughs> But this isn't, doesn't that stand for, you know, there's the deliciousness, the flavor, the, the time, the, the um, tenacity that goes into just preparing the dish. And then the, the gathering, the support, the community, the, the being together, all of that, I think, is a lot of uh, some of the values that you described here, just in who you are as a person. And it, it shows up in the food and it shows up in, in, in the rich oh, culture. It really does. And I think that kind of stems from our ancestors where in Egypt um, they live in these apartments and so all the families live underneath each other. And mm -hmm. um, so, you know, daughter will be there with her children and her mum will be in the next unit above her and then her mum will be in the unit above her. And so they all get together. It's like this little village and they all sit there making their wada anab, which is the stuffed vine leaves, making them olochiyam, corona bashamella. Like it gets done in, in quick amount of time. Um, and then the men come home from work and it's like, yeah, they've made this feast and that's just how they eat every day, <laughs> which is a bit different to how my life runs. <laughs>
for sure. I mean, imagine if you would do that every day on top of raising four children yes. and running a full-blown career in the media industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, I mean, somewhere you got to say thank you, no thank you. I mean, this is where the buck ends, right? This is where the buck stops. Um, how do you keep your own... Uh, say um there's a specific term i'm trying to think of it when you are meeting a celebrity and you are like starstruck st starstruck yeah. how do you keep being starstruck in check i was starstruck once and it happened the very first time i believe it was Christina New, who is um, an, a, um, a singer in Australia. She was very popular in the 90s. And um, when I saw her, I just went, oh, my gosh. I went blank. I went, what am I going to ask her? And I looked at my video videographer and he just went, get your questions out. And obviously back then it was paper and pen. We didn't have mobiles on us. So I pulled out a little note, you know, little paper and pen. And I went, oh, yeah, that's right. And I went, Susie, focus. Camera's on. This is Christina New. Focus. <laughs> So you just force yourself, you channel into this, I don't know what it was, but I just channeled in and I just went, I'm going to take every ounce of me to just really focus on these questions because it's important for the audience. Forget yourself, forget it's Christina New. the audience want to know what you're going to deliver to them that is educational, is entertainment-based, has value in their life. And so I always put the audience in my mind saying, what am I going to deliver to them? And I suppose I, that's how I got over that part. <laughs> I love that you just said that. I am I, I, I'm teaching a speaker boot camp right now. And the session I did today was the prepared, uh, the prepared speaker. And I okay. said exactly that. You're not going to stumble over your own words or have a whole lot of butterflies in your belly if you make it about them. And I love what you just said. Yeah. You made it about your audience and what they would be interested in. Mm. Um, Thank you I'm, for I'm there for them. I'm not there for, I mean, I'm there for me. Yeah, I love what I do, but I'm there for them. I'm there to serve a purpose. And I think it goes back to Oprah saying, and, and, and Maya Angler saying that we are all human beings and that we are called to love, respect and support. And if I can honour another human being wanting to learn and support that process, it's my absolute pleasure to do it because I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that about you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to give you, we're going to do a quick rapid fire session before we end today. And I'm going to give you one word. And you just blur out the first thing that comes to mind. Mindset. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Mindset. Mindset. Strong. Travel. Love it. Future. Yes. <laughs> Food. Eat. <laughs> Wealth. Yes, please. Modeling. Yep. Uh, modeling, modeling, modeling. I, I, I just keep thinking of Elle McPherson, maybe because we're speaking about her. Elle. <laughs> Passion. Fire. Acceptance. Grit. Mm, thank you for that. Yeah, grit. I think if we look up grit in the dictionary, there's a picture of you, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you so much for taking time out of your day out of your day in the future for us um <laughs> i'm hungry now i might just find an egyptian restaurant here in atlanta um yes go for it it'll you love it you absolutely love it oh yeah i know i will and i'm gonna i'm gonna actually get with you and pick your brain about what we need to see when we go to egypt 
oh, if I could make you a bowl of molochia and some wara'ayna and send it to you, I would. <laughs> Love it. I know I will slurp it up. Um, <laughs> now, I know there's going to be a ton of people that are like, I need to get with Susie. How do people get in touch with you, Susie? Oh, look, I have so many links and so many ways you can get in touch with me. So I've consolidated everything into a link tree. You can reach me through website, which has my email and my phone number. You can reach me on socials. So, yeah, just feel free to reach out. So it's the link, link L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Susie Michael. Really yeah, simple. Sim uh, simply go there and you find all of her social media, all of the things that you need to know about Susie and connect with her. She's such a cool, absolutely incredible woman. <laughs> I'd love to connect with people. I love people. So, yeah, reach out to me. Please, please, please do. Susie, we will have you again on the Success Pattern Show. Um, for everyone else, please make sure that you connect with Susie, that you are tuning in again next week for the same, uh, same time, same place for the Success Pattern Show. Until then, ciao. See ya. Thank you for tuning in and you will notice opportunities to apply success patterns daily while eagerly anticipating next week's content-rich success patterns.